Coming up on Stu Does America. Trump is just a couple of days away from naming a Supreme Court justice. Will it be Amy Coney Barrett? We'll look at the ways the left is trying to take her down. And we figure out if Joe Scarborough can break the single show record for calling the president Hitler. Oh, I'm on the edge of my fascist seat. Are you going, I don't know, doing your best to help us defeat the evil YouTube algorithm robots? Hmm? If not, then immediately subscribe to our channel, immediately like all of our videos, and immediately click the little bell that hooks you up with notifications, immediately, or, you know, whenever you get around to it. Be sure to check us out on podcast. I, I know my audience isn't as into fitness as I am, uh, but you could listen to me while you jog or kayak or skydive, whatever the hell healthy people do. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a review. And don't miss our debate coverage next week. It starts Tuesday with a live Stu Does America leading up to the start of the debate. And then you can watch the debate with me on my YouTube channel as I mock and fact check the festivities live. Then we'll have post-debate analysis as well. Get it on YouTube at blazetv.com slash stew. Make sure to use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Plus, you'll save 10 bucks. Breonna Taylor's death is a tragedy, but do any of the facts matter at all? The media is jumping on the bandwagon with their under-researched opinions and their half-assed virtue signaling. Let's do the Breonna Taylor media meltdown. Stew does America. Please help me. I am begging you. Please help me. I am on the ledge. I'm about to jump off. I don't think I can take it anymore. How do people get through their lives living this way? How can you be so stupid and so sure of yourself at the same time? I'm flabbergasted. The combination of idiocy and certainty... It's just incredible. Let me break this down again. And please share this with all of your idiot friends. Learn, then protest. In that order. Learn, then protest. The order is important. It's vital. Let me say it again. Learn, then protest. It's so important, and I've been saying it so freaking much, we made a t-shirt out of it. Go get it at stewdoesmerch.com. Wear it to a protest or two. Though I will say, I'm not responsible for what happens to you if you do. We have done several shows about Breonna Taylor, and I think the facts are pretty clear on it. I mean, it's a tragic event, and it's incredibly frustrating. I understand that. It feels horrible that someone could die in these circumstances, and there's not a rational person to blame for it. She did nothing wrong to deserve this. Her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, acted rationally considering the circumstances, and the police also acted rationally considering the circumstances. We've been over this multiple times, but you can go, go back and watch last night's show or The Truth About Breonna Taylor from a few months ago and get the whole story. It's all on YouTube or on podcast. But let me just lay this out as bluntly as I can. There are a lot of people who think the officers who shot Breonna Taylor should be charged with murder. Those people either don't know anything about the incident or they are lying to you. No person with an IQ north of 12 could possibly think this was some racist execution. That is not what happened here. But it is more than just the analysis of charges. 
It's six months after this, and still the people are grandstanding on television and social media, and they still have no idea what happened. Let me start with ESPN. Maria Taylor, watch. The truth is we're all heartbroken, devastated, and exhausted. The truth is we're an all-back crew, we're covering a mostly black league, and we just witnessed another reminder of our devastating reality. Black and brown people can be murdered while sleeping in their home oh God. when they are neither the subject of an investigation or possess a criminal record. Mm -hmm. And the police responsible for taking an innocent human being's life will not be held accountable. The truth is, oh, the way we feel right now is way too familiar. But the honest truth is this, our reality in the face of injustice is we are expected to not only show up, but to perform. Oh. And like every athlete that takes the court tonight, we will do it with Breonna Taylor's family in our hearts and in our prayers. And we continue to hope that one day justice is served. That was brought to you by Mountain Dew, by the way, just to let you know in case you didn't catch the logo. I just can't take the grandstanding. I just can't take the grandstanding. I can't do it. What does showing up for work have to do with Breonna Taylor? You have to show up? You have to perform? Really? You have to sit in a chair and talk about basketball? I mean, do we give you a medal? I don't know how this works. No, she was not killed in her sleep. This is not a controversial statement. This is not the police telling us that. It is her boyfriend. They heard the banging on the door. Kenneth Walker went to get his gun. They walked into the hallway and then the shooting started with her boyfriend, by the way, firing first and hitting police. Then the police fired back. But she was not killed in her sleep. This was not executed as a no knock warrant either. It was the knocking that got them out of bed. They knocked long enough for Walker to get his gun and both of them to come out into the hallway. We know this because Walker himself told it to us and so did an independent witness. And while we're at it, no, 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 no. They were not at the wrong house either. We know this because the warrant has ink on it that tells us so. Now, when I first heard the Breonna Taylor story, I also heard that the police went to the wrong house. I also heard that she was asleep. And I also heard that the police busted in without knocking. Guess what I did next? I read about the story. I learned about the incident. And I realized that the police did not go to the wrong house. I learned that police did not enter without knocking. And I learned that Breonna Taylor was not asleep. Learn, then protest. The order is important. Or maybe, just maybe, you'll learn enough to realize that there isn't a good reason to protest this time. That's okay. And I don't mean to criticize this Sports Center anchor specifically. Everybody is doing this. Here is Rex Chapman, former inconsistent shooting guard turned Twitter celebrity. He tweeted this to his one million followers. Guys, never forget that Breonna Taylor's killers were at the wrong house. The wrong house. 
Actually, you should forget that because we are entirely certain that they went to the right house. The right house. This tweet got 18,000 retweets and 79,000 likes. If you scroll long enough in the responses, you'll see this one. Google before tweeting. And the uh, little picture there says, a judge has also signed a warrant allowing the police to search Miss Taylor's residence, correctly showing that there was a warrant to search Brianna Taylor's address. That one, that response, got 21 likes and zero retweets. Or how about noted moron Ron Perlman, who tweeted, Brett Hankinson, one of Breonna Taylor's murderers, was not charged with murder, but with wanton endangerment. This crime is punishable with up to five years in prison. That's one year for each bullet fired into her sleeping body. Not good enough. Hashtag justice for Breonna. Well, first of all, the investigation showed that none of Hankinson's bullets actually hit Taylor. So it would be challenging to charge him with murder. Of course, you'd know that if you read about the case for two minutes. But you wouldn't need two full minutes of reading to learn that there were exactly zero bullets fired into her sleeping body unless she was sleeping in the hallway standing up. Or even George Clooney, who is a freaking genius compared to Perlman. And I believe he's well-meaning here, but he's totally wrong. He said, quote, the justice system I was raised to believe in holds people responsible for their actions. Her name was Breonna Taylor, and she was shot to death in her bed by three white police officers. No, who will not only be charged, excuse me, who will not be charged with any crime for her death. No, she was not. She was not shot to death in her bed. How can you comment on this story without knowing the basic facts about it? We can all be pissed off that Breonna Taylor died. I'm pissed off that Breonna Taylor died. But that doesn't mean we just start blaming police officers who, might I remind you, literally were hit with a bullet before ever firing a shot. Here's another borderline professor, Jalen Rose, yelling for murder charges on the air. Tyler Hero scored in double figures every game this postseason? He's been putting in work for a young fella. But it'd also be a great day to arrest the cops that murdered Breonna Taylor. If you... <laughs> If you spent two seconds actually reading about the case, you would know that a charge of murder makes absolutely no sense. Police officers who return fire after being shot don't get charged for murder. This isn't a thing. Got it? Here's Malika Andrews, a 25-year-old reporter for ESPN. I know her age because she told me about it. I have prided myself in being able to be objective and cover these sorts of issues. But when it is so clear that the system of objectivity in journalism is so whitewashed and doesn't account uh -huh. for the fact that when I am walking up the hill, my wonderful producer Melinda reminds me that Breonna Taylor was 26 and I am 25 and that could have been me. 
It is very hard to continue to go to work, and that's what these players were feeling. Now, players on both sides, they said that they didn't contemplate not actually playing in this game. They always knew that was something that they were going to do, but that doesn't mean that they were not disappointed in what happened today in Louisville. Look, her emotions seem real there. Though it was difficult to tell what they were behind a mask she was wearing in an empty arena. But this is insanity. It's sad. She's had this message of dangerous and terrible police beat into her head by the media for so long that she's internalized it as if it is an actual threat to her life. She is terrified of something that is almost absolutely guaranteed not to happen to her. Do you know how many unarmed black women between the ages of 18 and 29 were shot by police in 2015? One in the entire country over the course of an entire year. One. Do you know how many were shot in 2016? One. Do you know how many were shot in 2017? One. Do you know how many were shot in 2018? None. None for an entire year. Zero in a country of 330 million people, including well over 20 million females between 18 and 29. Do you know how many unarmed black women between the ages of 18 and 29 were shot by police in 2019? One. Do you know how many were shot in the, by the police this year? One. You know her name. It's Breonna Taylor, the person we're talking about. One. And honestly, yes, it's technically accurate that she was unarmed, but she was standing next to a person who shot a police officer and they were firing at him, not her. She was an innocent bystander. That doesn't make her family or her or anybody else around the case feel any better. But that does not make the police officer guilty of murder. The point is the left is in the middle of their effort to destroy every institution in this country. And they've terrified this successful and probably well-educated reporter into tears of fear on television because she thinks police are going to come kill her in her bed. When the truth of the matter is, terrible things do happen. But this particular terrible thing happens about once per year. So far in 2020, do you know how many toddlers have found guns and inadvertently killed someone? Four, four. This reporter should be four times as scared of toddlers than she should be of police. So why is this happening? Who cares, I guess, if tons and tons of people don't know a few little details about this incident? Well, think of what these details mean. If they were at the wrong house, it makes the police look worse. If she was asleep, it makes the police look worse. If they barged in without knocking, it makes the police look worse. If you don't know that Kenneth Walker fired first, it makes the police look worse. If you don't know that one of the officers was shot before they ever fired a bullet, it makes the police look worse. All of these little itty bitty meaningless mistakes all make the police look worse. What a coincidence. That is intentional. The worst thing that can happen to the media and the left is that when you see Breonna Taylor's names on a T-shirt or something, you stop and actually look into it. Consider the facts carefully. That's what happened in Kentucky yesterday. The justice system performed admirably well. 
It is designed to see an angry mob coming and completely ignore it. American justice is not supposed to be mob justice. The case was handled professionally and, in my view, correctly. But I've read about the case. I've examined the details. I've taken the time to learn before I thought about protesting. Learn, then protest. The order is important. Uh, I'm going to lose it today. Trying to buy a home uh, in these times, it can be challenging. We know that. You don't want an extra frustration uh, on the top of your already frustrating day. That's why you need a real estate agent who you can trust. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. I like to think of real estate agents I trust as kind of therapy. They'll get you through all the annoying things that you would normally go through with a crappy real estate agent. They'll just eliminate them all for you. How are they going to do that? Well, they've screened all these agents to find the best agents in the area before you start. So you don't sign up with someone that you don't know. You don't sign up with someone who is, uh, you know, who is a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. You go with someone who's already been screened by professionals, so you know you have the best agent in an area. If you're moving across the country, this is a great use uh, case for realestateagentsitrust.com. Because, you know, you don't know who these people are. You're going into a new area. You don't know uh, anyone yet. You don't know who the best agents are. You do if you go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Get more information at realestateagentsitrust.com. The name says it all, realestateagentsitrust.com. I'm joined now by Amy Swearer. She's the legal fellow at uh, the uh, Edwin Meese Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at the Heritage Foundation. Same as me. Uh, That's exactly what I've been doing with my life. Um, Amy, thank you so much for coming on the program. Thank you for having me. Um, So the Supreme Court, there's an open seat, uh, a bit of a surprise, uh, and in the middle of a million other things going on. Is there any hesitation from you that the right thing to do is to fill the seat and get someone into the Supreme Court? Uh, no, I absolutely not. And, and I think when you look at the historical context of this, there have been a, a number of times in history where we've been in this exact same situation where you have a president and the Senate of the same party and you have a vacancy in an election year where the president can be reelected, where he's not a lame duck, as you had in 2016. Uh, in, in, in every single time that nomination has been put forward. And uh, for the majority of those situations, that nominee has been voted on and then confirmed. Okay, that's kind of where I am on it, too. Um, the, the Democrats, of course, are saying that this is the worst thing that's ever happened uh, to our republic. Uh, they are throwing out a bunch of different ideas as to how they could thwart this. There's some crazy sort of outlier ones, like they might try to impeach again. Uh, they've thrown out the idea of just all sorts of parliamentary delays. Is there anything they can actually do to knock this off course? Uh, No. So the way that the confirmation process really works is that once a nominee is put forward, you know, it's it's up to the Senate to go through its process. We have, you know, the the Senate Judiciary Committee getting it out of committee and then voting on it on the floor. Those are all things that are uh, controlled by the Senate. And it it doesn't seem to me that there's any real process through which uh, a minority party could could stop that from happening. You know, it would need some sort of bipartisan support either to, to stop it from getting out of the Judiciary Committee or, or something of that nature. Um, so there, there doesn't seem to be a, a whole lot that they could do. But when you st- when you start talking about, you know, some of these uh, more questionable legal processes between that and, you know, you're already hearing 
questions about uh, fraud in the election and, and questions that might come up, I, I think that's even more of a reason to say, yeah, we, we need a, a full complement of nine judges or nine justices on the Supreme Court uh, should anything controversial happen in this election. Uh, you know, we, we as of as we tape this right now, we don't know who the next who the nominee is going to be, though it could be tweeted at any moment. So we keep that uh, possibility open. Uh, the favorite seems to be Amy Coney Barrett. She's been talked about for a mm -hmm. while. Um, she is uh, seems to be the one that the president has even uh, off the record said would be the one uh, the justice that would replace RBG if she were to leave the court for any reason. Um, what do you think of her? Is she is she uh, the real deal? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a reason that she has been repeatedly put forward as the front runner, uh, as the potential nominee, and it's because she has an outstanding track record as an originalist. Uh, you know, even before she was a judge, she was a, a professor of constitutional studies. You look at some of the things she's written and then how she's carried that through in practice as a, a judge on the, the circuit court. And it's been very, very consistent. Uh, she's had some very high profile opinions uh, and of course some high profile dissents that really give us an understanding of her judicial philosophy. And it is again, very, very consistent with a conservative understanding of originalism and textualism and the proper role of the judiciary. Okay, that's good. That's good news. You're making me happy here. Um, I, I know they're going to come after her, of course, uh, and they're going to do a couple things. They're going to dig through all of her old uh, opinions, everything that she's ever written, everything she, you know, notes that she wrote to her friends in middle school will be, of course, uh, fair game. Um, one interesting one that I, I know that you had looked at was a, 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 a dissent she wrote about felons uh, having right the right to use uh, to, to own guns. And this is being thought as like she's being very kind of tossed out there as if she, this is a erratic opinion. And she, I can't believe anyone would want felons to own guns. Can you give us kind of a breakdown of this? Because I think this one's going to be a big focus sure. of the left. Sure. So, you know, if you listen to some pundits about what happened here, she would have given the Boston bombers access to an AR-15 in prison. Hmm. I, it, it's absurd sort of how this has been interpreted. Um, but what this was, this, this was a case, I, I believe, out of Wisconsin. Um, but it was a, an individual who everyone agreed was not a violent person. He had been convicted something like a decade, two decades ago of uh, a single count of mail fraud uh, under federal law and sort of how, yeah, a very, very, very violent individual convicted of mail fraud. <laughs> right. Uh, but, but the way that, that the state and federal law worked is he essentially forfeited his Second Amendment right for the rest of his life. Unless he got a presidential pardon, he was never going to get it back. And his argument was, and again, uh, Amy Coney Barrett agreed, and I would agree with this, is that historically speaking, the state only has the power to disarm people, to take away their Second Amendment rights when they are a danger to society. Um, so things like violent felons, uh, people who you know you can look at and say, look, they have a track record of being violent. We can prove that they're probably going to be violent in the future. Not someone who has been convicted of a single count of federal mail fraud, who everyone agrees isn't violent. That's not how the Second Amendment works. That's not within the, the bounds of what government can do to take away that right. Okay, you're, I think you're definitely going to be seeing this one in, uh, in in these hearings as we go forward if Amy Coney Barrett is indeed the nominee. They're also going to go after 
they, they seemingly want to say that she's in The Handmaid's Tale. I mean, I, that is what they want to say really badly. They're going to go after her faith. They're going to go after the fact that she has, I think, too many kids. They're going to go after the fact um, you know, that she's supposedly involved with this one group that they want to say is based on The Handmaid's Tale or vice versa. I mean, there's a desperation element here that I think we will see. Are any of these things going to be effective or any of them even even remotely relevant to this conversation? Well, in terms of whether they're effective, I, I think the answer is, is almost certainly going to be no. So Amy Coney Barrett went through this confirmation process, uh, I think I think just only three years ago, 2017, uh, and a lot of these same arguments were put forward. Uh, you know, you remember you, you get the, the line from um, Diane Feinstein about the dogma lives loudly within you, mm-hmm. you know, a shot at her Catholicism. Um, but I think the important thing to, to keep in mind is that we have her judicial track record. We know what her judicial philosophy is. And, and any of these fears that she is going to impose her religion uh, on anybody, it's, it's completely out of line with her actual judicial philosophy, which is a good one, which is that it doesn't matter what my personal opinion is. It matters what the law is, what the law says, what the meaning of the Constitution was at the time it was ratified. Um, those things are actually a protection against her imposing any of her, her thoughts or philosophies on the text. Um, So she's actually a very, very good judge with a very good track record that, you know, no one can point to an opinion where, you know, you know, her her outcome was based on, oh, well, my religion says or my thoughts are. It is always the text says Mm -hmm. the Constitution as understood says. Um, and so it's, it's a fear that just really isn't relevant given her track record of this consistent judicial philosophy. Uh, let's go to uh, Barbara Lagoa. Uh, what I hear constantly from the media from Bar- about Barbara Lagoa is that she's a woman. She is of Cuban descent and she's from Florida. Those are the three things I know about her. Uh, is Can we hear a little bit about whether she has a real tight attachment to the Constitution? Sure. So on the one hand, she doesn't have the same type of track record as Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, some of that isn't her fault. You know, as a judge, you only get the cases that are brought to you. So if you're not getting, you know, meaty Second Amendment cases, that that's not your fault. Um, but what we do know uh, is that in the cases she has gotten, she has been very consistent in that same sort of judicial philosophy. And when you listen to her talk, um, so for context, she is a first generation American. Her parents uh, were Cuban uh, refugees who who escaped from the authoritarian regime of Fidel Castro. And that has very much impacted her philosophy about the rule of law. You you listen to her talk that in the country her parents fled, you had an authoritarian dictator whose whims determined what the law is. You know, they had a bill of rights, but it meant nothing because you didn't have a judiciary sticking to what the original meaning was. And, And so it has very much uh, influenced her, her judicial philosophy and her desire to say it doesn't matter who's before me, it doesn't matter you know what my personal desires or opinions in the case are. The rule of the law is the text of the law. The original meaning of the Constitution matters. That's what separates this country that I was you know, blessed to be born in from the country where my parents fled. Um, and so she has, a, I would say, a different type of track record, but an equally compelling one. Hmm. Um, I, I, I guess I keep coming back to the idea that, you know, I, I think I'm just so 
convinced we're going to screw this up somehow. <laughs> and I, can't, I don't know exactly how it's going to happen. It feels like in these big moments, I mean, go back to, you know, Planned Parenthood versus Casey with Souter being the, the deciding vote there. Like there seem in these big moments, there seems to be um, a, uh, a, a thing that Republicans do, which is look for people who will slide through and be easy and maybe easier to confirm with shorter track records. And it just has not paid off uh, over the long term for conservatives. Are, is there any worry um, as you look at this that something like that could happen again here? Well, look, there is always a chance, no matter who you put up, that, you know, all of a sudden, five years from now, they completely change their judicial philosophy. But I, I will say that if any of the front runners, um, your, your Amy Coney Barrett, your Barbara Lagoa, if those individuals or, or a type of person like them are put up, uh, that that hold to that solid judicial philosophy of of the limited role of the judiciary, not stepping outside their bounds, knowing that their role is to say what the law is, not they, what they want it to be, um, that those types of judges are worth fighting for. And, and I have uh, very, very little concern about either of those individuals as front runners. Um, and they are certainly uh, judges worth fighting for and worth confirming, um, you know, at least as their judicial philosophy is now and has been in, in recent memory. Okay, that's really good news. All right, last one for you here. We have about a minute left. Um, uh, everyone talks about Roe versus Wade. This is always the, the conversation whenever it comes up in this, in this world. What else is there? Uh, what, other, what other big things could be moved um, as we look forward in the future here with another conservative on the Supreme Court? Uh, well, I, I think certainly the, the biggest issue, and this always comes to the forefront of my mind because it is a, a topic of, of interest to me, is the Second Amendment. So right now, we, we just saw in this past term, uh, there was a, a sort of limited Second Amendment case that was taken up and then dismissed without any sort of um, uh, you know ruling in, in it on the merits. Uh, and then you had a court that had a, a plethora of Second Amendment cases before it been 10 years since they've taken a case. And because they weren't sure about how Justice Roberts might rule in that case, mm. they didn't take any Second Amendment issue. So I think the other big thing is the Second Amendment. And then you will also see um, tremendous implications for things like the First Amendment. Um, you know, I, I would dare say even you know, Fourth Amendment, anything dealing with individual liberties. Um, this is going to be very, very important. Um, you know, again, because you, you want that that justice who is going to understand uh, the originalist perspective of you know, th the meaning is consistent. It, it was it is now what it was then. And that's going to be very, very important across the board for all individual rights and liberties. Mm, thank you so much, Aaron. Amy Swear. Thank you for making the show a little bit smarter for a few minutes. We appreciate that. Uh, Amy is a legal fellow at the uh, Heritage Foundation. Uh, and also you can find her on the Twitters at Amy Swear. Amy, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. All right, back in a second. One of the fundamental things you need to learn how to do if you're going to become a broadcaster in this country, um, especially if you're going to be in mainstream media, is to learn how to call the president Hitler or a fascist. It's pretty much the main thing that you do when you're on MSNBC. Morning Joe with Mika attempted to, yesterday, set a record for the most times calling the president Hitler or fascist. Watch. Oh, my God. Oh, I don't know. We won't. 
call them fascist comments. Fascist. Fascism. Fascist. Call fascism. Fascism. Just fascist. Fascist. Notions of fascism. Xenophobic. Racist. Demagogic. Racist. Sexist. Xenophobic. Autocratic. And fascistic. Donald Trump is a fascist. Someone like a fascist or a tyrant or an autocrat. Fascist rhetoric. Fascist language. Fascists. I'm, I'm glad that you're starting talking about fascism. Hitler. Right. Fascist rhetoric. He's talking the way fascists talk. It's autocratic. Fascist. Nazi Germany. Before the rise of Hitler. Fascist language. To Hitler. Fascist. Hitler. Adolf Hitler. 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 Well, Hitler. 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 But Hitler. From what Adolf Hitler preached in the early 30s. Let's just say it once and for all. You said it once and for all. It was a short segment. Luckily, you said it something like 30-something times. I, honestly, it was going so fast, I couldn't even count. I, I, could, I could not even count. Um, I'm, uh, I'm amazed by that. Uh, let's go. I'm also amazed by the Biden campaign in general. The Biden campaign in general, and I include Morning Joe when I say the Biden campaign. Uh, they are now basically calling it a day at about 9 a.m. You start, look, you start the day. It's difficult. It's long. You spend the day from, let's say you wake up at 7. You work till 9. You call it a day. That's what the president is going to be doing in the White House, I'm sure. Uh, the, the Biden White House, it may very well be true, honestly. They're doing this thing. Um, they, they call it a lid. Put a lid on the day, which means basically, hey, we're not going to make any more news today, so all you reporters don't have to hang out with us all the time. Understandable. It's a good way to get rid of people. I say all the time, uh, you know, people come over like, hey, want to hang out later? I say, ah, put a lid on the day. Sorry. I'm going to start saying, that's, a good, that's another T-shirt we should make. Sorry. Okay, come over. Put a lid on the day. It will work perfectly with our self-quarantined shirt that you can get at studosmerch.com. And it would work perfect, actually, this one with Senility Now. We have the Senility Now t-shirt available at studosmerch.com. If you go there, you can get this and you can tell everyone that you know the possible president of the United States is already senile. It's not a positive uh, observation, but it is a real one. Actually, I kind of think what's happening here partially, partially, is they're just going into massive debate prep. And if that is what they're doing, it's a smart move. If I were uh, Joe Biden right now, if I were Joe Biden's people, um, after I change this depends, what I would be doing is saying, I don't want you to do anything else today except fake uh, debate all of our different, our various uh, collection of fake Donald Trumps that we have for you here. And you should just go in there and debate all day long and try to think of how to not completely screw this up. Because... They, they are incredibly vulnerable. There's three more nights they're going to actually have to get in front of cameras. A lot of people are saying, I made a $5 bet with someone around here today. They do not believe Joe's going to show up. They think he's going to get COVID right before the debates. Is that true? I don't know. I hope it's not true. I want these debates to happen. And the American people demand that they should happen, and they should. That we have, so we have four debates. You have the presidential one. Then it goes to the vice presidential debate. Then two more presidential debates. And election night is not that far away, uh, boys and girls. We do have a special election uh, night coverage that's going to be airing here in The Blaze. Plus, we're going to be doing special debate coverage as well. The debate coverage is on Tuesday. Normal time here if you're watching on YouTube or on the uh, channel. I don't know what's going to happen with the podcast. We'll figure that out. You'll see, you, it'll be posted probably normal time. Um, but uh, the, what's going to happen is we're going to do live coverage leading up to the debates. Then during debate time, go to the YouTube channel. Subscribe. Go to... Uh, just go to YouTube, search for Stu. I'll be the first one there. When you're there, you subscribe. And uh, we're going to be watching the debate live with you, doing a little uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 type of thing. But we're not going to be like, 
I don't want to interrupt it every two seconds. You'll still get the debate, but we're going to fact check it kind of live on the air. Maybe occasionally make a joke about Joe Biden drooling. Then um, that's going to go on for most of these debates. So uh, make sure you check that out. Um, And you can get uh, your Senility Now t-shirt to prepare for that. And also your Learn Then Protest t-shirt is available as well. Um, This is pretty interesting. The the COVID-19 thing, as you know, does not affect... Um, you know, the, it's a pretty vicious virus. We've talked about it many, many times. However, it does not affect people at left-wing protests. It's not the way the virus works. The virus is able to recognize, of course, uh, what your political viewpoint is. And if you agree with the left-wing or mainstream media sort of viewpoint, uh, the, the virus is like, all right, you're cool. You're cool. We're cool. You're cool. Don't worry about it. Come on in. No virus for you. I'm going to go to the right wing uh, protest. That's why it makes sense what Portland did. They denied a permit for a right wing rally. This is the uh, group, the Proud Boys. Uh, They wanted to do a uh, protest about a rally about 10,000 people. Um, They rejected this, of course, because of COVID-19, which is odd because there's been constant protesting and rioting in Portland for months. Um, But I guess because it's a right wing protest, you can kind of just like because this is why COVID-19 attacks right wing protests. Very dangerous if you happen to be conservative. Now, if you were to say you were a liberal to the virus, not sure what it would say back to you. I don't want to affect you. I'm a liberal. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Um, There is more news, though, coming out here of uh, what they're going to try to do, because, look, I've said this before. I'll say it again. COVID-19 sucks. I hate it. I'm not a fan, not a big fan of the COVID. And it's really been disruptive to our economy, to our lives. It's killed a lot of people. I do not think it's nothing. I'm not one of the people who are kind of saying, "Eh, you know, it's really not much of a big deal. I think it is a really big deal. But that doesn't mean you overturn the entire economy and our entire country. We know that whether it's a big deal or not, they're going to try to take advantage of it. And the latest uh, effort here is we need to act boldly now if we are to avoid economy-wide lockdowns to halt climate change. Yes, this is coming to a world near you. Be prepared for it. That's on the way. And, you know, look, we got to respect our green, uh, our green gods. If the green gods tell us we must do something, then we must do it. That's why reduce, reuse, and recycle is so important. And it's why I back the people in Vietnam against the Vietnamese government. Police in Vietnam have confiscated an estimated 345,000 used condoms which had been cleaned and resold as new. Just trying to be green. Doing a little recycling, everybody. You can't blame them for that, right? Back in a second. So do you know what big tech and big government have in common? They both want to silence dissenting voices, uh, kind of into submission. Have you noticed that lately? To fight back against having your voice censored by both big tech and big government, I love ExpressVPN. The problem with big tech is they track what you do online all the time, and they can match your activity to your true identity, to your device's unique IP address. You know, one of the creepy things about the whole coronavirus situation was beyond the actual terrible uh, situation with the virus itself. Everyone's like, well, you know, we've noticed uh, mobility is down. Okay, what does that mean? Well, we've noticed exactly where people are going, and we've noticed they've been not going to those places as often because of the virus. Well, you have all that data, really? 
I kind of don't want you to have all that data. And that's just part of the package. This is really what you're doing online. What sites are you going to? Who can censor you? Who can track you? Defend your rights. This is an important thing. Defend your rights and protect yourself with expressvpn.com slash stew. If you go to uh, expressvpn.com slash stew, uh, you will find uh, the best uh, VPN you can find. This is going to help you be anonymous online. And the slash stew part, of course, is important because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Uh, that's expressvpn.com slash stew to get three months free. Visit expressvpn.com slash stew to learn more. Everything is racist. Every thought you have is a KKK dream. Everything is racist. White supremacist extreme. Yes, everything is racist, including you. Hope you know that. Uh, Citigroup has decided to, I mean, I guess everyone was looking for stuff to do during the coronavirus. They decided to do a study to figure out how much racism has cost the United States uh, the, the grand total, $16 trillion over the past 20 years. It's a lot of money, though I will say, uh, I, I don't know how you could possibly figure this out, uh, frankly. I really have no idea how that would come together. But uh, somehow they decided to figure, uh, they decided, this is, they're saying like $218 billion in the housing market, $113 billion in potential wages, $13 trillion in business revenue never flowed into the economy because black entrepreneurs couldn't access bank loans. It's an odd accusation when you're a bank. But apparently that's, uh, that's, that's racist too. Um, I will say that racism is very bad for the economy. It's one of the reasons why, why the free market makes it go away. You know, free, one of the things that's interesting is that prejudice, um, discrimination causes economic opportunity. Easy way to you know, understand this. There was a book called Why Men Earn More back in the day. And the way that they talked about that was, um, you know, a guy who was one of the presidents of now basically said, hey, uh, we're, you know, we're only paying 56 cents a dollar on the dollar to women. Why don't we just hire all women? Sounds great, right? Well, then he did it and it didn't work out all that well. But I will say uh, here is a different situation. Um, and that's why it's, it's ridiculous to... It's like why it's why the Washington Redskins, um, which is still their name, in my opinion, um, they didn't pick up any black players until much, much later. And for that period, when everyone else had black players and they didn't, they sucked. And now, of course, they have black players and they also suck. Uh, One more story here for you. Just a warning, health warning here from Studios America. If you eat too much black licorice, you could die. True. Um, Even a small amount of licorice can can increase your blood pressure. If you have two ounces of black licorice a day for two weeks, it could cause a heart rhythm uh, problem. And one man died because he ate a bag and a half every day for a few weeks. I'd be more worried about your teeth at that point. Um, But if you notice all the jelly beans, all the colors in the world, what's the one they call racist? Black. Okay? Everything is racist. Everything is racist. One of the best ways to start an intermittent fasting program is to think about black licorice and eating a bag and a half of it a day. That sounds so terrible. I kind of never want to eat again right now. Uh, If you want to lose weight and maybe you went on a vacation like maybe I did put on a few. You didn't care. You're just like, I'm just going to eat whatever I want for a week or so. And really, and what I mean a week or so, every minute of the day for a week. 
And then you come back and you're like, hey, I got a TV show. Better get a little uh, less fat. Well, um, one of the great things you can do is a fast blast. Fast blast does this quickly. Um, intermittent fasting is one of the, I think, a really cool uh, innovation sort of in the world of uh, figuring out how to lose weight. Because, you know, it is uh, the first couple of times you do it might be a little difficult, but it will make you lose weight a lot faster, honestly, than trying to shave a few calories at the end of the day. You lose it a lot faster. You notice a difference on the scale every single day. And Fast Blast has these great smoothies as well to make it a lot easier. Do your own homework. Go to fastblast.com slash blaze. Fastblast.com slash blaze. The slash blaze part is important because that's how they know you like this stupid show. And you can get started with Fast Blast now for a healthier and smaller you. It's fastblast.com slash blaze. Don't have much time here. Uh, just about 10 seconds. Uh, just have time for a quick drink. And the world's greatest mug. Andrew Cuomo was awful. Remember it. Get it. At andrewcuomowasawful.com. See you tomorrow.